Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode 171. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. As always, host number three, Corey. What's on today's script? Yeah. You sure you're not Terry Michaels this episode? What is Terry Michaels? I don't even know who Terry Michaels is. It's your persona. I remember you called in the show. You're like, hey, guys, it's Terry Michaels. Is that, um, is that the name I chose? Bitcoin is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forgot i made that up on the yeah. fly yeah. when are you ever gonna go full blades mckenzie oh i need to be sufficiently drunk to go full blades mckenzie <laughs> blades mckenzie just came into this party guys um i'll be dank jeffries you'll be negro damas negro damas dank jeffries and blades mckenzie now those <laughs> are host names right there <laughs> yeah uh you know, there's there would be a slew of people that are like, "Can I just call you Nostradamus? I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't feel comfortable." Uh, Anyways, well. <laughs> so um, yeah, it sponsor seems time, like, or you want to get yeah, right yeah. to it? Let's get let's get into the sponsors. So today we're brought to you by uh, MeUndies, right, Cello? I wish, but uh, I got something equally as comfortable: decentralized escrow platforms. Oh, you saying words now? Yeah, uh, new sponsor. We're brought to you by uh, the escrow. In fact, it's the world's first in the world platform for securing crowdfunding with the inbuilt mechanism of the decentralized escrow. And what that means is it's going to give investors an opportunity to control the expenditure of the invested funds once the ICO is over. So what their mission is is to make ICOs kind of a less risky way of investing and eliminates the excessive distrust of the potential backers to the new startups. And what that's going to do is it's going to just give a boost to the to the ICO market growth in 2018. So uh, the pre-sale raised over 150 grand, and now you have until the end of this month to participate in the ICO. So head on over to the website, and you can find out more. The escrow is uh, they're making ICOs safer for all participants. So you can go to theescrow.com. That's D-E-S-C-R-O-W.com. If you're trying to be safe and want your crowdfund to grow, you need to get yourself some decisions last escrow. Bam. I like it. They got a they got a like futuristic looking website. They definitely went for like the circuit board space theme. Well, we got to the end of the month, so uh time's running out. Yeah. All right, so yeah, this man. is the this is a crazy week because uh, price went to like nineteen thousand and it snowed in Texas and a bunch <laughs> of other crazy stuff. So it did snow in Texas before it snowed here in Maryland. Yeah, I tell you what, 
I tell you what, I was in McAllen, Texas. Is the it's the uh, it's basically the bottom of the the nutsack of Texas. Um, for those of you not from Texas, Texas has this scoop at the bottom of it, and we actually colloquially call it the nutsack of Texas. Um, but I'm down there, and like I'm just hearing local conversation, and they said it hasn't snowed here in 51 years. And then the very next morning, it was snowing, and I was like, huh, just my luck. Thanks, Obama. To break a streak. Yeah, this is all Obama's fault. Fucking Obama. Hey, I ran a poll on Twitter. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I did. Uh yeah. And it got some got some Give love. Us the results. Yeah, everyone the majority said that twenty twenty is when we're gonna reach mass adoption, which was my choice too. What is mass adoption? Mass adoption is when you still- can oh. you can post an article about Bitcoin on Facebook and people don't think it's dark web drug money. Okay, that's a reasonable definition, I'd say. Yeah, I would say mass adoption is when somebody that I haven't spoken to in 14 years hits up my DMs and asks for investment advice on cryptocurrencies. No, that's not mass adoption. I wouldn't call that that mass adoption. adoption. That's just people trying to make money. Like I get, I we all now, I'd say, get hit up from people that we haven't talked to since we were in like like middle school asking what the like the investment ratio should be if they throw in $300 into cryptocurrencies and when they're going to expect their Lamborghini. That's not mass adoption. I think Cello's definition is much better because <laughs> like it's people don't have the wrong idea about what it is. It's like uh, even my friends from high school, like, my, like Dylan, our, our, our merchandise connoisseur, of the Bitcoin podcast was talking to a lot of our friends from high school and they're like making fun of them for being into Bitcoin saying it's the biggest scam of all time. Yeah. Well, I'm sure and, they're going to enjoy Dylan's Snapchats from the Mediterranean. <laughs> and like and anything on Facebook turns into like scam. Like people just say dark web scam, like all of the things that you get that should be associated with something like BitConnect. They attribute to the entire space. And when that stops happening, and like the, the, the general consensus is like, yeah, it's, it's Bitcoin. Of course. You can use it sometimes to buy things online. You know, what I also think is that the, the system that we're under right now is so powerful that people t- take Bitcoin as a threat to their existence on some level. Because Who's people? What people do that? If you're doing well in a system, then if something is a threat to that system – then they're going to lash out at it. Like, for instance, when Cello worked at his other job and the CEO uh, thought that Bitcoin was too stupid and terrible and shitty because the CEO is already successful. He has a lot of dollars. He's, 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 he's in that game and he's doing well in that game. So if something is going to be a threat to that game, obviously they're going to like involuntarily reject it. Yeah, but Bitcoin doesn't like threaten the dollar. We know that. But when they go, when they hop onto the internet and they see an article, their confirmation bias is going to set in, and they're going to say, "Ah, see, it is for criminals. It is a scam." This this one random dude who doesn't know shit about the technology at all is saying it's a scam. Therefore, I'm going to force myself to believe it's a scam because if it is a scam, then my existence is still very fruitful. You know what the price is attracting? Like, you know that snake oil salesman on YouTube who's like, hey guys, look at my garage. There's a Lambo here. You can have one too. 
Remember that I guy? did this through dedication. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, so I was watching a YouTube video, and there he is. But now he's talking about the price of Bitcoin and how you could be a Bitcoin millionaire just like him. I literally just saw that this morning. That same video. Yeah, such a fucking tool. Yeah. Such it's a getting tool. crazy. So there's going to be yeah. an era of that that we have to look forward to in 2018. Yeah, a lot of people with money that think they're think they're making great are going to lose some money next year. If we thought people were losing money before, it ain't going to. It's going to be. Woo, it's going to be crazy next year. I got. We have to figure out the like the best advice of how to not lose all your money when the impending. Like correction comes, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I have no idea how high Bitcoin's going to go. This liquidity is like, let's let's first let's start off by like kind of explaining what I saw happen with a nineteen thousand dollar Bitcoin price rise only on Coinbase, right? Mm-hmm. So I see this almost as like, then I could be completely wrong here, but this is how I'm interpreting it. I see it as somewhat of a, like a liquidity squeeze only in Coinbase. So they have. They are what I would consider the largest on-ramp to new users in Bitcoin. And they have two faces to their company. The first one is Coinbase. The second one is GDAX. Coinbase is the easy-to-use, customer-friendly, I-don't-know-anything-about-Bitcoin interface for people to join this space and start to own cryptocurrencies. And so someone signs signs up, they then attach their bank account or credit card or something, and then they buy... Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin. But when they buy Bitcoin, they're buying it from the GDAX exchange, which is the other side of Coinbase company, which is just a a full-on trading platform, digital currency exchange platform. And so when a shitload of new users start up and start buying Bitcoin, they're pulling from the exchange pool of money. And that then rises the price of, of Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Just, just the Coinbase exchange money, right? Just the Bitcoin that's held by Coinbase, and when that happens too fast, the bots and traders don't can't like arbitrage across the different exchanges fast enough. So it's like we just saw the price of Bitcoin on Coinbase shoot up really, really, really fast, but everywhere else it stayed around fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars until people like, caught wind of it and started arbitraging the, the price back down. I could see that, that but was that, that due to congestion or what? Well, I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm not terribly sure about. It. Or there's this. Like, if you know, Bitcoin futures happened and everyone's shorts got squeezed, and yeah, but that what you just said is a testament to why people shouldn't be tripping or be that angry or not angry. People shouldn't be that uncertain about the future, and I, I about the future of the price just crashing or collapsing or anything, because it, the entire ecosystem is far more robust. Than it's ever been and what you just said right there is like a self-healing property that it has now because it is so robust well that's yeah, like the, the liquidity squeeze of coinbase is a microcosm of the entire space like what what's going to happen when the same thing happens across the entire community there's only so much bitcoin available for sale across all of the exchanges what's going to happen to the price then if we see a four thousand dollar differentiation between one exchange and others that's it it's going to shoot way higher than that and i i've been saying for a while yeah and so like but like where does the money go then when people start trying to arbitrage the ridiculousness out 
it either stays in or it goes to other cryptos. Okay. Where else yeah. it stays in or it goes to other cryptos? It's going to be a very interesting time period over the next year. I mean, it's, 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 we keep There's, saying that every year, but it's, this one's... We, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Coinbase still has to match its growth with the, the expected adoption. Which I think Coinbase will be just chaotic. fine at this point. Brian Armstrong, Lex Luthor is going to be the next Winklevi. Well, uh, who else is building like real easy to use on ramps like Coinbase, right? Like, are they just going to be the funnel for new users? Because if so, Square this isn't going to stop happening. Square is starting. Revolut is starting. Like other big industries in the fintech uh, landscape, we'll say, are are now seeing like, oh, millennials want this stuff, and we need to make it easy for them. So let's dip dip the toe. The only way for that to work, though, is they need to get like an X Kraken employee, an X Coinbase employee. There's no way that they're going to be able to compete with a with a with Brian Armstrong unless they get X employees from other crypto companies. They'll always be one step behind. Well, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're an X employee at Coinbase, you're very you're very you're very uh, high in demand right now. Well, what what your... differentiates Coinbase from a lot of these other people is that they have both sides of the coin, right? They have yeah. They have the easy to use, like f- friendly interface that looks like a bank for people that don't know shit about Bitcoin to buy Bitcoin, and they also have the exchange platform for people who want to trade these things. That's very true. And those two feed my, off each other drastically. My sixty-five-year-old aunt can use Coinbase like a dream, like a dream. Like she was like, "Oh, this is just like my bank," and I was like, "Yep." <laughs> my sixty-five-year-old my mom can't use Coinbase because her bank. Is so old, it's not on the list. Oh wow, yeah. But your mom I'm is direct, directly opposed to technology, right? Doesn't she still? Uh, she still uh, Flintstones piddle paddles her car out the driveway, doesn't she? I mean, it's it's. Yeah, but Do y'all lovingly you refer to her as, as, as Aunt Luddite or like Grandma Luddite? <laughs> yeah. So uh, your mom, uh, is she's not she's making strides. I'm helping her out. That's good. But you, you know, going to my mom and saying, "Hey, you need to change your bank." That's that's a uh, that's not something I can get done in a day. Speaking <laughs> of adoption, I today bought um, a shitload of Ether cards, basically just like little gift card looking things that have public and private keys on them. You can load up and give out as as gifts from Ether dot cards. And I'm that's like that's my Christmas gift to everybody. So wait, if, you, wait, if my family listens to the people. show, not crypto kitties, I ain't, I ain't getting into that nonsense. <laughs> okay. if, yeah, if my family oh. listens to the podcast, they know what they're getting for Christmas. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's it's it's, and I hope that they don't understand how to use it because like the the, the website is a really good job of explaining how you get your ether off of the gift card onto your own wallet in a very step by step way. And I think that this would be a really good way to introduce people to holding. So my whole family is like, how do I get some of this? It's like sign up for Coinbase. Talk to me when you have a Coinbase account. Then we'll like that's the step one. If you can't do that, then we're not going to continue talking. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many is, people hate our show because we so strongly endorse Coinbase. But let's just be honest: no one is doing it like them. That's 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 pretty simple. I mean, that's they've made it really easy. For people to sign up who don't understand a lot about this stuff. And when they do that, they at least take the first step required 
to start to learn about these things. They're invested. Once, and we, that's the same thing that happened for all of us. We got, first, we got invested. We put some type of value into the space. And then we learned more and more and more about it because we had that value placed into it. Yep. That's how it happened uh, for me. I mean, that's that how cello, same thing for you. Yeah. I actually wrote a book about the same thing. Yeah, I remember. I hope my kids in the future give me a present saying, hey, dad, I know you don't understand this, but it'll be good for you. Figure it out. Thank me tomorrow. Well, I hope that's the case. I hope that is the case, too. Uh, what's up? I have a confession, and you guys what's might up? not like it. So um, I, I mentioned I mentioned CryptoKitties, and it reminded me. So the date is November the 2nd, and this guy slides into our DMs and sends me 15 messages begging to be on the show. It's about CryptoKitties. And he said, it's going to be lit. It's going to be live, you know, Stephen Mackey language. So I'm like, mm. I thought you were actually just talking about Stephen Mackey for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just gonna, it's lit. It's fire. It's bomb. It's going to. He sends yeah. me 15 straight messages and I ignored him thinking that CryptoKitties was garbage. It's not garbage. I was just not paying that much for the Well, in November 2nd, nobody knew what it was. All yeah. right. So. Okay, last week Crypto Kitties blows up. I called it wrong. So I take my tail tucked in between my legs and I said, Hey, hey, you want to come on the show now? And he ignored me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> next so time I that apologize happens. that we didn't capitalize on the next big thing in, in, in DAPS, but we all good. confess that. Sorry, who was Next it? Who, who was the guy that that wanted you to have it? Was he like the CEO? Of- yeah, his name is his name is Benny, and um, Anna. No, uh, I'm gonna butcher his last name, Jiang or Jiang. Okay. And he was just feeding me paragraphs and and giving me wave emojis, like just trying to get my attention, saying that it's gonna be the biggest thing ever, and he called it, man. I blew him off. Now he's ignoring um, me. Such next time you gotta um, let Negro Domus get a hold of that. Let me see. I don't if see I can... who is in charge of Crypto Kitties. That's um, what makes them the Crypto Kitties, Corey. No one's in here. charge. All the cats do what they want. In the Slack. It's so Scar simple. Here. Yeah, there's several dApps that are gonna be stupid, like. Uh, who the first person to make Digimon on the Ethereum blockchain, they're going to be winning. The only problem with that is like those Pokemon Go's and those Angry Birds or Flappy Bird. Yeah. It's super popular, but then the drop off is it, it's gone as soon as it as it rose. So, well, I mean, so you, you can say now. that they won. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like, that's that's the point of running a business is to be successful and make a lot of money. And they do that. Yeah. Because I mean, there's already a crypto pets with platypus. You can buy platypuses, and I'm sure crypto doggies. You know, it's coming. Monster hunter, crypto, whatever, yeah. whatever. So it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, we, don't we have an interview? We got an interview to get to. Sure do. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Yep. Uh, we met this guy at DevCon. Corey, you met him before yeah, DevCon. I right? met him multiple times. 
Is he like out there in the air in your area? I don't know where I've seen him. I just I've met him multiple times. Mostly the internets and video chats and all kinds of things. I was involved with the uh-huh. Dow. Remember, I was involved with the Dow that's early right. on. Um, when they were building I up. Remember. So I remember that's that. where that's where that relationship started. I thought the Dow was going to be a marvelous, marvelous thing. Mm, good old days. He did too. The good old days of last year. <laughs> uh, so um, we got Griff Green on the show from Giveth. If you don't know what Giveth is, you're about to. Um, I do know that I was very, very impressed with one of the smart contracts that they wrote up um, involving uh, the ability to essentially, I mean, I think you give someone, uh, how do I put this? It's called liquid pledging. You delegate your ability, other people's there ability to spend your money. Yeah, there you go. You delegate. So if you are a busy, busy person and you just don't have time for your own self, and but you want exposure, you want to do things with crypto, you just... What you just don't have time to do it. You can delegate somebody to basically do the things with crypto that they want to do. And it's a smart contract. And obviously to sound like I don't know exactly what it is because it's been like a month and a half since we saw the thing, but we discuss it. Well good you for you. <laughs> Griff explains it. You, yeah. you think uh you think when Griff Green drinks too much, his alter ego Biff Blue comes out? <laughs> you just made that up on the spot. You did. And I can see how pleased you are with that joke in the video right now. <laughs> You're like, yes, that was solid. Uh anyways. Here it is. Live from the hot tub. All right. Welcome everyone to the interview portion of the podcast. And it, it does my heart good to introduce today's guest. Um first let me tell you about Giveth. They're a free and open source web application and software platform, bringing community and accountability to charitable donations, which is super important. And they, they don't do it in like some annoying way, like Tom shoes. There's no burlap Mac moccasins where they donate three cents of every shoe to plant a tree in Tasmania. You know, it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's, it's a, it's a movement. It's a, it's a ideal. It's a vision, whatever the case may be. And uh, we have Griff Green. You might remember from Slocket, who kind of rose from the rubble, and now he's with Giveth.io, the new hotness. And and he might be the best hugger in the crypto game. Oh, wow, you are too kind. Hello, man. Really, and it's sweet. Yeah, it was a pleasure to meet you at DevCon, and I know from there you've been did you just back from Columbia, or, or yeah. where are you at in the world? You know, this is the thing. I'm I'm full on nomad for like going on six years, so I, I just hop around everywhere. You know, uh, I'm still in Colombia, but I went from Bogota to Medellin. Yeah, I went oh, back man. to Texas and stayed there, so your life is <laughs> a lot better than mine. It's yeah, definitely you know, different. <laughs> yeah, it has its pros and cons. You know, sometimes you feel like a, a badass, and sometimes you feel like you're homeless. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, but, for, uh, for those that don't know, it's just like. Griff right now uh, doing this interview is sitting in a hot tub. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the life that he's leading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Balling it up. Yeah. That's now, a, what oh. what is Bitcoin's price right now? I mean, <laughs> why why is it ever in a hot tub? Let's see. I'm looking it up right now. It's currently yeah. sitting at 16,400. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's not bad. Hot tub worthy. Yeah, I'll take it. 
So yeah, well, what should we talk about, guys? I mean, there's so much. I, I think I think would be interesting to be because like I I know a lot of people that kind of want to take the course that you took that kind of got you into the scene, which was was it was it like the Cypress Masters in cryptocurrency or yeah yeah okay, so like, Masters in digital currency. You were the you were, I believe the first graduate for that, weren't you? Yeah, there were nine of us in that first class. Yeah, so let's explain kind of that and then how it's sp- like sp- gave you a springboard like into the space and whether or not like like back then I feel like that was the only way to actually get into the space was to have some type of like thing that no one else had. Now there's a lot of different ways in which you can self-teach, um, go through some program, get quote unquote, quote unquote certified for something. There's a lot of ways to break into the space, but back then I feel like that was a really big thing. And I mean, it, it definitely, I'd say, was successful into getting you like a foot in the door to allow you to gain a lot of experience to become where you are now. Like, kind of, kind of, what was that like? What was, what, yeah, about it. that was a uh, yeah, that was that was exactly why I did it. Uh, you know, I can't believe I have a master's degree. I'm not that guy, right? I I actually think school is mostly just bullshit. Uh, <laughs> like, it's a certification. You know, it, it, it's not where real things happen. You know, it's like. It's just where you prove your salt kind of a thing. And while I was a chemical engineer, I didn't really have a computer science background or anything. So I had to go. I felt like I needed this so I could dive in. And it was cool because it fit my lifestyle. It was all online. And, uh, and it, I was actually uh, surprised. I, was, I thought I'd learn a lot more technical things in it than I did. It was actually a finance degree. So I learned a lot about international banking and, you know, that kind of stuff, which, which is useful, uh, regulations and all these things. But, I, you know, school is what you make of it, especially in college and mas- uh, master's program. And so I tried to make sure I focused my energy squarely on decentralizing the sharing economy because that was like uh, that's my passion or it was my passion at least um, at the time. Now I'm, I'm more into uh, DAOs and decentralization in general. But uh, at the time, I really wanted to build this uh, access-based economy, this idea that you don't have to own things, but you can use them easily, kind of like Airbnb for everything. Right? And so I wrote a white paper for a bike-sharing economy that would scale. And uh, I, I made a YouTube video with it, and I sent that to Slocket before I had even graduated. And uh, all my homework assignments were also all about the sharing economy. So I tried to always bring it whenever I could. And then they, uh, I sent them all that, but they never read it. They just watched the video, liked my enthusiasm. I told them I would work for free, you know, and then I was in. So uh, they, uh, they let me uh, do, that, do my thing. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a great way to get your foot in the door. Not very many people have a degree in anything related to cryptocurrency. And if they do, it's usually like a computer science degree or a cryptography degree, something pretty deep. This is much more accessible to a normal person who, if they want to get in, this is, this is a good way to go. Uh, although personally, uh, while I love the degree and I loved all the things I learned in it, uh, it really cool stuff. But uh, I really think the best way to get in is just to find your favorite project and contribute and make yourself indispensable. Uh, there's so much money in this space. If you want a job, go get it. You know, yeah. just make yourself useful. <laughs> yes. I can't what's agree your, more. What's, what's, what's your student loan situation like? You got that squared away? Oh yeah, I never, I've, I've never been a loans kind of person. I mean, I actually did get a student loan. I went to uh, University of Washington, and I was uh, 
in Washington, you know, in the state of Washington. So uh, this was, I'm kind of old, I guess, for the space. I'm like 33. So this was back in the day when college was cheap. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I worked at Home Depot uh, while I was going to school. So, you know, I, I tried not to get any loans. The only loan I took out was like one of those crazy interest-free practically loans. And I used that to loan it to somebody else to pay off the credit cards. I would have to say that you took a better route than me. I spent maybe over 10 years of college. I am balls deep in debt. <laughs> I'm, I'm a doctor. I can say that much. But <laughs> yeah, Dr. Petty, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, sweet, what sweet doctor status. Corey, Corey, if we knew what we knew now, would you have just been like, skip college, wait for um, crypto to up, and then just kind of get in? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Anybody would say that. If anybody knew what yeah. we know now, nobody would have done anything except for just buy all of the Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Started the mining rig in 2009. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm curious, like, so like, you say like, yeah, you get your foot in the door. The best thing to do is get experience, but not everybody gets their foot in the door and ends up being a part of something that everyone knows about in the space, right? Like the DAO is, <laughs> yeah. like, is like the thing that naysayers immediately reference. Um, everyone is weary about. It taught a lot of really good lessons about things. And in, in, in my opinion, it was one of the better lesson teachers of how to actually do decentralized autonomous organizations and well, like, especially what not to do. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. like, in, in my opinion, the only thing that makes an expert an expert is that is their wisdom of what not to do. It's not it's not like this is exactly what you do in every scenario. It's like these are the things you certainly don't do. Let's figure out what else to do. And I'd say you gained your you gained a, a lot of wisdom in that whole in that whole thing. How did how, how did that help you kind of oh, figure man, out? Are you kidding? It's everything. Yeah. The DAO was everything. Uh, I, I mean. You know, I, I really got into this technology because I believed in the revolution, you know, the decentralization revolution, you know, so uh, and DAOs are a huge part of it. And I learned a lot. You know, there wasn't just the, there were a lot of things wrong with the DAO besides the bug. The bug was like the clear, obvious killer. The voting mechanism was terrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, there were. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why Jordy and I worked to create Minimi, the Minimi token contract, which fi fixes a lot of the voting issues. And we uh, have, you know, the, the big thing to me was there was a there was a cultural issue with the DAO. We, we didn't spend any time developing a, a, like a guidebook for what the users of the software are supposed to do. There was nothing, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, here's a board game, figure it out. You know, it's just, that's not how it works. You need some instructions. And so uh, the DAO token holders didn't really know what to do. Uh, the curators definitely didn't have a clue what to do. Uh, they were, they were dumbfounded. They were, they were scared, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so we, we learned, we learned a lot. Uh, and we got really lucky, honestly, you know, everyone thinks the DAO was such a disaster. I, I'm pretty sure everyone profited from the DAO. Every single person in Ethereum was given ETC the, out of nothing, right? And uh, we learned from there that forks are actually a good thing, <laughs> that uh, you, you create currency out of nothing. And then communities actually, when they divide, they become stronger because they're more entrenched in their value systems. Uh, Ethereum kind of made the decision that occasionally they're going to make decisions based off ethics, off-chain ethics, which is a... Uh, which is an interesting design decision, right? Uh, and that's, I feel like that's also behind the move to proof of stake. It's not really, I mean, if we didn't care, I, I really think that scalability is 
hardly is pretty secondary in the mood for proof of stake uh, for Ethereum. The big piece to me is the environmentalism a little bit, you know, where it's kind of like we're just wasting energy. But from a security standpoint, I, I don't know that proof of stake is the right answer. That's why Bitcoin's not going to move to it because it's much more secure to stick with what you have and you're, it works, it's proven. Uh, but in Ethereum, we're going to do something else, right? And so, uh, sorry, that was a huge tangent. Um, Hell yeah. Keep keep going, man. That's how it'll happen. We love tangents. Oh, good, good. I I was a math guy back in the day. I'm a a tangent fan. Uh, But, uh, oh, yes, got to laugh. Okay, so then uh, with with the DAO, it was the only hack where everybody won. Even the hacker made money, right? The hacker got his ETC. Uh, Everyone who wanted the, the hacker to get his money they were able to support UTC and make it happen. All the DAO token holders got their ether back, and they, the White Hat group, which I'm a part of, uh, we we were able to rescue They all technically made a profit as well. Uh, it was uh, it's pretty funny that everyone says that it was such a disaster. I mean, it was a disaster uh, for sure, but it it was a profitable disaster as long as you held your keys, unless of course you did some bad speculation. You know, speculation is a zero-sum game. So there were winners and losers there. But other than that, it was... Uh, I, I had two, like, rapid-fire questions for you regarding that. One, do you still talk to Stephen Tool? Yeah, not not that often, but yeah, absolutely. And then, okay, and then two, it, was it weird, you know, being in the same room as Goon Sarir? Because he, he was, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't he the one that kind of saw the multi-sig bug or gets credit for it? Uh, the multi-sig bug? Uh, not the multi-sig bug, the, the, the DAO uh, hack. The DAO yes. hack. Uh, yeah, you know, Goon and I have a checkered past, I would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was a, he, was, he was a thorn in my side, to say the least, with the moratorium. Yeah. And really, he really used the DAO uh, to make a name for himself. Uh, and also, I have some issues with the academia, like the general strategy academics use to like put their name on everything that they can. Uh, but at the same time, I was reading his papers in college, right? So, you know, Goon is a, Goon is a genius and he uh, absolutely has a lot to contribute to the space. You know, he was building stuff like this way before Bitcoin existed. So, he, you know, at least he claims to. So he, he I, I do think he's a respected member and I don't know if I've ever been in the same room, but we have been on the same interview. And, no, uh, I mean, I mean, I asked because at DevCon three, you guys were both there, and ironically, you two, uh, I, I met you guys separately, but collectively, you two were the nicest people that I met that entire week. I was in Cancun, so oh, I, nice. I, I didn't know what the relationship was because I was like, oh man, he kind of exposed that bug that you were working on. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. As a Cornell professor, man, he he has to have his his stamp on everything. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, he does. No, I, I never. I didn't actually get to talk to him in person. I, what a what a what a tragedy! Because I would have loved to. I love that kind of interesting social dynamic. Yeah, yeah. You know? Those <laughs> those are always adventurous uh, opportunities. But uh, but yeah, I I I have not. We buried the hatchet. We had a little scuffle over the vault. So uh, the Giveth was working on this software, which I think we. Uh, we never really pushed forward on it, but uh, it's called a vault contract, and it's supposed to be uh, another, you know, result of the DAO, so that we could still build DApps. You know, it's kind of pathetic right now. There are very few working DApps, and it's because like there's Prism, the ENS, and now CryptoKitties, 
right? Like that's, <laughs> that's pretty much the only big name dApps that are out there that are in use. So why is that? And it's mostly, I think, out of fear. No one's really able to securely s- store Ether in a way that they would risk their risk their credibility on, at least. So uh, we're, you know, uh, I was doing that vault contract, and then he messages me on Twitter saying he wants his name on the vault contract. And there was some miscommunication because I thought he wanted it in the code. Apparently, he made some vault in Bitcoin. He did. We Sometimes actually interviewed Bitcoin. him a, a long time ago. He made a Bitcoin vault contract that allowed you to essentially um, store your, your funds in a certain way and then burn it if they're stolen. So like it was the, kind of like a way to secure your funds so that people couldn't take it. And if you, you know, at all last resort, you could just burn the funds. And that was a long, that was a long time ago. I see maybe even before yeah. Ethereum. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I had, I actually had heard of it, but only because Dash implemented it, right? I didn't know, I didn't know it was his. And honestly, it had nothing to do with our vault. There's none of this burning stuff. It's just a safe place to store Ether, right? It had a whitelist. It had uh, an owner that could cancel transactions. It just had a bunch of normal security features. It did not have the feature that you could burn anything, right? Like, yeah, it's like, it's it like was, saying like Coinbase should, it should make him, should, should reference him as well because they have a vault inside Coinbase. It's a similar type <laughs> argument, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't, I, I was like dumbfounded because he started arguing with me about how he needed to put his name on this thing. And I, I was like, eventually I came to the compromise. Listen, I can put you in the blog post. You had nothing to do. You had no inspiration at all on this contract. I'm sorry, man. Like, I just can't say that you did. But I can say, hey, if you're interested in vault contracts, this guy made this one too. You know, it's like, okay, fine, put you in the blog post. You know, and and but after that, that actually just kind of uh, was a small little thing that I felt like actually afterwards we both apologized and we had like a good conversation and buried the hatchet. You know, there's no point in burning bridges. And that's just not that's not the way I play, at least. Let's talk about Giveth. I want to know how you found yourself into this, like just awesome project that has actually become i think most people don't quite understand this but like the mini me contract is the basis of a ton of other people's token contracts and and like that's where most people get their erc20 tokens or their token contracts that deploy them like how did you find yourself in this place and let's talk about like what giveth is and what things they're doing Okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the sad state of token contracts. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in, in the Ethereum ecosystem. I don't think there's nearly enough innovation in token contracts. Uh, there's a lot you can do. And uh, we made the Mini-Me like a year ago, and there hasn't really been any other cool token contracts out there that I've seen. And I, I, I try to say, and I hope somebody will send me an email of like, what are you talking about? Look at these token contracts. Yeah. That would be my dream. But I don't think that email is coming. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, we we have been trying to build a safe place. Uh, so Give It To Me has two main objectives, right? The first is to uh, build the future of giving, to create the type, type of transparency, accountability, and community that I want to see when people are trying to change the world. You know, like I want this, I want Give It To be a huge tool where if you want to change the world in some way, you can use Give It software to build a community, bring transparency and accountability to the use of your funds, and actually share resources besides just money, 
because it's really built to be this giant network effect. It's really like everything is how much a network effect can we give somebody who wants to make the world a better place, right? That's that's uh, with with a clear foundation of like financial accountability and transparency. And that's like uh, the one of the primary missions of Giveth. Uh, and the secondary mission is also to build decentralized governance models and practice them. And, you know, the DAO was, uh, was a political disaster, right? <laughs> Hardcore. And it was a really difficult, we put the curators in a difficult spot because they, they felt that any action they took, hey, they could be liable if anyone lost any funds, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, then we had all these, DAO token holders, which could be considered investors that have the right to assume profit and they could sue the DAO or as a general partnership. There was all sorts of complications, right? That made uh, working with DAOs basically go on hold for a year and a half. Uh, there still really isn't that many cool DAOs out there. Well, I think that if might I, also be just because of like the sentiment of the name, right? You say DAO, everyone automatically harkens back to what happened. And they put a negative yeah. connotation on it. Whereas, like, the idea of the DAO was fantastic. The actual implementation of the DAO wasn't so, wasn't so good. But no. that doesn't mean There's... that you should throw away the idea, right? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Exactly. And that's what, uh, that's one of the give us, let's give us second uh, objective is to allow people to experiment with decentralized governance in a safe, low risk environment, right? If you start a charity, and create a DAO out of it. What you know? Who's going to sue you? <laughs> like, what if something goes wrong? Who cares? You know? Okay, yeah, it sucks. The people who donated their money doesn't go where they want it to go. Sounds like normal charity to me. So it's not <laughs> the end of the world, right? And then, and then the people who are asking for money, if they don't get the money, well, okay, that sucks too. But that's still status quo. You're not make, if you fail at making a charity DAO, the world doesn't get worse. It just doesn't get better. Right. Whereas if you try to do it as a for profit entity like the DAO, well, you know, there's lots of problems that can come. So, you know, uh, we I mean, we got so lucky with the hard fork. Otherwise, it would have been a real disaster. So uh, that I'm really excited about uh, like uh, with Giveth, we have so many cool experiments going on. Uh, we do this thing called the reward DAO, where uh, if you just contribute every week, we give away about $1,000 to our contributors. So anyone who uh, supports uh, Giveth's development and isn't like already a core member or something like that, all they have to do is make a video saying what they did. And then we reward them. And this reward DAO has had about five iterations, you know, where it's like we try it one way, we try it another way. We're actually going to transition in a couple weeks in, on the 15th to the, the next version of it which is a really great iteration where we have uh, four core team leads, uh, the team for comms. Uh, anyway, there's four Giveth members who are in different parts we'll say, of the community, and uh, they are able to give people points the second they do something cool. And then at the end of the month, those points turn into money based off of some voting. And of course, every member has to make at least one video saying who they are and what they did. For Giveth, so that can you give us an example of, of like someone who's gone through this and gotten some gotten some rewards for it? Oh yeah, so uh, I mean, a lot of people. There's only there's not that there's about twenty regular contributors of Giveth, and only maybe eight of them have ever had you know uh, any official thing besides the reward DAO. So most people get their money from reward DAO. 
let's see, Arthur, his name is Quasia. He's been working on uh, getting my Ether wallet on Giveth. We are going to do their donations. And so he has been writing smart contracts, deploying them, and doing cool stuff like that. Uh, then there's this other guy, uh, his name is Michael. He did his first video last week and he, all he did was go into a repo. He doesn't know anything about smart contracts. He did do some dev work and he, uh, he went in and, you know, commented some code and, and, uh, fixed this. We have this globe spinning to show where Giveithers are kind of hanging out. And so he just kind of optimized that a little bit. And I think he ended up with a hundred bucks. I mean, honestly, he got a sweet deal. Uh, there wasn't really, it, it's kind of like the block reward. Some, you know, we're, we're right now it's kind of modeled off of a block reward where it's like every week we're giving away a thousand dollars, you know, but, uh, some weeks there's not a whole lot of transactions on the chain and people get paid more than they probably should. So, and this is stuff that we got to work out, you know, that's why we're iterating through. But um, like next, now we added in the new model, we have these, this point system where they get points right away. So there's immediate feedback, which I really like adding in. And then uh, we also, we used to do it every two weeks. Now we do it once a month. So it's less of a drain on the voting and the bureaucracy. Uh, and then we also added this thing where uh, there's a variable amount of money uh, that there's only $3,000 a month, but we have the option to add more if there's more contributors. And then also anyone in the world to reward DAO as well, and that will get added in to the, to the point, to the value that we get back to the, to the contributors of Giveth. Because the goal with Giveth is to build a decentralized altruistic community. You know, a lot of the stuff that we're doing would be so much easier if we were just trying to be a normal nonprofit with a hierarchical structure. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're trying so hard to be, uh, you know, a community and decentralized. We, we use holacracy, which is, a, which is a, like a governance model for empowering everyone to make decisions over the stuff they're working on. Right. So there is it's not a top down model. It's really just, you know, trusting that the people who are doing stuff uh, know what they're doing and can make the best decisions possible. Um, and so, yeah, we, we do all sorts of crazy stuff. And we're so close to being live, though, with a real DAP with uh, uh, we have we've been live for since last January, but on our POC. So every donation that we've received has been transparently accounted for. Like it goes into a smart contract and it can't come out until it, we say why basically. But now we're doing it more along the lines of what we really want to happen where there's uh, where the donors can decide whether or not they agree with the decision on where their donation is going. They can actually veto, right? They, so they can uh, sign a delegate to their donation and say, hey, I trust you to decide where this goes. And then they'll get a notification that says, hey, your money's going to this project. And if they do nothing, then it goes. But if they, if they want, they can actually veto. Uh, but also in that notification, uh, once we scale up, because right now it's just give it, so we don't have to do too many crazy things. But the goal is really always to connect the donors to the people that are using their donations. So in that notification also is a link to the campaign Slack or their Facebook group or wherever they actually can, you know, communicate. And the people can go in there and talk to them and see what they're up to and become a member of their community and get this like uh, 
network. Because right now we have this centralized charity that provides basically two services, right? They, they find people to give money to, and they make sure that the people are using the money well. And maybe three services. They also try to get money from the donors. Uh, but there's all that. If we take them out of the way, then the donors actually get to communicate directly to the people that are making the world a better place. And I think there's, there's extra value there that's being lost by having the charity in the middle because, you know, I don't really think software or money can change the world, but I do think communities can. And, and they, they're the only thing that really can change the world. They're the, they're, they are the people that make the world, you know, communities are, are everything to me at least. So, uh, if we make it easy to build communities, uh, then I think that we'll see a lot of progress. The, the, one of the things I, I really hope, and it's a difficult task, but it is a design parameter that we're pushing really hard with Giveth, is try to make charity kind of like Uber and Airbnb, where money is kind of, it's there, but it's kind of off topic. It's not in the forefront. With, with the way charity works today, it's like the, the charity is always trying to get the money, get the money, get the money. And then, you know, they're <laughs> holding the money over the other people that are using it, you know, and it's this, it, and money just puts people in this horrible perspective, you know, they go into a scarcity mindset and I, it's not productive for, you know, community in general, you know, money is really great. If it's a great tool when you don't know somebody, but if you're, you know, if you're friends with somebody, money can really get in the way. And so to build this community, I want it to be like Uber and Airbnb where, yeah, you're having interactions with somebody, but the money is just taken care of in the background. You know, you don't see it when you're getting in the car or getting out of the car uh, of, an, of an Uber or a Lyft. Uh, I like Lyft much better. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you, you know, it just feels, it feels cleaner than having to have that awkward moment. How do you know the money is being effective or, or it's being transparent you know, getting to where you want it to go. Because when I when I give to a charity, my biggest gripe is I don't know if what I'm doing is saving a kid in Africa or, you know, if it's getting to the right people. So shouldn't that be a higher priority? And 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 not to overcomplicate this question, but like I'm hearing like you know milestone reviewers, uh, delegates, governance, liquid pledging. You have a partnership with Kenya. I don't. <laughs> maybe maybe it just feels like it's a little bit too complicated, or maybe I'm just overthinking the whole process. No, it's definitely complicated, man, for sure. I, I mean, uh, the liquid pledging contract has got to be the most complicated contract out there right now, hands down. It's a it's a very it's a basically a database. So what we do is uh, first off, thanks for doing some research, dude. Kenya, we just did dude, that. Dude, like, I got I got an associate's degree, and I'm hanging with PhDs and master's degree guys. So <laughs> yeah, I gotta do a little research. <laughs> well, it's working out for you, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, the main thing, like, it can be super complicated, just like everything in the blockchain world. But it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to know all the details of how the contracts work or any of that. You just have to know. You just have to be able to go to the website and tra- track your donations. The donations are totally tracked. And you actually have authority over your donations because of the, the smart contracts design. Uh, they, it, it allows the person who donates to delegate authority over the funds without having to actually uh, lose the funds. Because what we do is we take all the money that's donated is then put into a vault. It's a revised vault contract that we think is simpler, right? 
And for now, we're actually uh, having the vault uh, overflow into the Giveth multisig because uh, you know we don't trust smart con. We're the white hat. The white hat group started Giveth, and dude, we you know we there's we, no trust uh, there. It's, yeah, it's security. It's it's pure security. Content. I understand that. Yeah, so we're not going to go full on decentralized. I did that once. It was, it was really <laughs> uh, this this time we're we're gonna like keep it small. Basically, Jordy and I are going to ensure every donation that is held by the smart contract because we, I I don't want people to lose funds. Uh, you know, I've been dealing with the Dow losses of funds like for two years almost. Uh, even today, I was helping people get their ETC back. Right. And they're and turning their DAO tokens for I don't it's it's hard stuff. Anyway, so uh, what we do is when someone donates, the money goes into the vault, and then uh, a pledge is created, and that pledge has it has the ability to be turned in for money in the vault, right? But it also has the ability to carry some extra information, like who do you delegate authority over this pledge to? So you, you can delegate authority to some, you know, to me, for instance, right? You, you want me to make a decision on how Giveth should spend its money. And so then I say, okay, I'm going to send your money to the communications department and they're going to use it to write blog posts and do this stuff. And then it actually gets spent on a milestone uh, to, yeah, to pay someone's salary, for instance, right? And so you, they will know that it went to pay Kai's salary and Kai runs the wiki and does all this stuff. And they'll be able to say, see exactly that their money was spent on this, right? Uh, so it's that kind of granularity that we want to provide. Uh, but let's say that the person who uh, delegated to me doesn't really want their stuff on blog posts. They want to actually contribute to the uh, donation application, right? We're calling our DAPA donation application. So uh, it's uh, so they veto my decision to move it to the comms department, and then just send me a, a message saying, "Yo, yo, yo, man! I actually think uh, you know I should have messaged you earlier because because of course when they delegated to me, they knew who I was. They they I had um every delegate has to have like a, a way to be contacted." So uh, they they could have told me that they wanted it to go into the DAP, but they had the way to veto, and then they told me, yeah, I want it to go to the DAP. So then it gets sent to the DAP uh, campaign, and uh, it goes to a bug bounty on um, you know some piece of some our Firebase connection or something like that, right? So uh, they will see exactly where their money went, and it went to some random contributor that debugged our Firebase stuff, and they could see that, and they could even like talk to that guy because to receive money, you kind of have to be known person. I mean, at least your address has to be known. For you know, there are some white hat hackers that like to stay anonymous, so maybe maybe there'll be the occasional anonymous guy. But for the most part, we're trying to do the transparency thing, so everyone will be known and be accessible. And the goal here is to connect the people. You know, use use the blockchain tech to build communities. So yeah, what else you got? I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious about like it's it's nice to see that this is moving in a donation space, which which would like you said earlier, it's kind of the the best risk reward scenario. Or like if something goes wrong, okay, the world's not a worse place. But these types of contracts are definitely going to be used for for profit scenarios uh, once they are kind of proven in a donation space. Do you see? a good portion of the people just like they've kind of almost taken the token contract and ran with it as 
taking a lot of these contracts and running with them, like being able to delegate where money goes, but not having to worry about making the decision is a very powerful thing generally. Yeah. Do you like, is that, is that a big purpose of why you're making these contracts or is it a purpose because absolutely yeah. No, it, I mean, we're, this is actually a huge design strategy for us. We don't do audits. I mean, we do actually, we do do audits. Like the White Hat Group is, uh, audits lots of contracts, but you always need to get external audits and, uh, we don't want to pay for that. Honestly, that's really expensive. And, uh, you know, we're a charity and it's not a very effective use of funds. So what we do is we document our token contracts and our vault contract and our liquid pledging contract extremely well. And then we try to get for-profit companies to use it so that they'll do the audits, right? Like it's a, it's a, I think it's a great strategy. Uh, and we already have people that want to use because liquid pledging, we call it liquid pledging, but, and we put a bunch of donation uh, names in the, in the function hmm. so that people could see how it works. But honestly, it's really like liquid democracy meets fund management. And it is a very powerful generic smart contract that, uh, we have one group that wants to use it for liquid lending, which is very similar to how we do it. Uh, they're, it it's called Aura Libre, and they're in Mexico. They have connections with OXOs, and it'll be so cool because you could just donate to, or you can, well, you can invest money, and then they will uh, find, they have like uh, credit scores already, and they, they have some background information because they've been doing, uh, they have a lot of credit history for people for the last like, you know, 10 years or something. And they have this connection with OXO, which if you guys were in Cancun, I'm sure you saw OXO, right? It's everywhere. Yeah. And uh, the Mexican Mexican people are used to going there to pay their bills. And so you can actually send the money to them, right? And they will, and someone who wants a micro loan can go to an OXO, just get cash, not have to deal with any of the blockchain stuff, and then pay cash to OXO to repay the loan. And then there's this whole blockchain accountability done in the back end. So it's very cool. Then we have another group that wants to just build straight up a company out of it, right? So, you know, you have a CEO, uh, they delegate to the CTO and the COO and all these things. And shareholders are the original donors, right? But of course, they wouldn't be donors. They'd be investors yeah. in this model. And then they delegate. But the investors and the CEO and everybody can actually see where the money goes. Because a liquid pledging system is almost like a wallet contract in a way it's like a very complicated wallet that you can sift through like if the ceo delegates the cto who delegates to the secretary who is buying some stuff at office depot right like they will see secretary needs money for office depot and the shareholders can be like yeah I want, that's of course yeah what is this like a thousand dollars it must be buying a laptop oh yeah it is a laptop there's the receipts you know i can see it like done you know full transparency and accountability uh we have another group that wants to build a bank with it, which is kind of crazy. Uh, they're, they're ballsy. <laughs> Say so. Yeah. Uh, we, there's lots of people who are talking to us about this contract, and we're excited for them to use it. And we are documenting the hell out of it so that, they, so that it's easy to use. And all of the software that Giveth makes – uh, you know, it's a gift to the community. We're a nonprofit. Everything we do is open source and, you know, we don't really have a profit, profit, a direct profit motive off of it. Uh, I'm sure that they might pay us as individuals like Jordy, you know, everyone wants them to audit and it's very, we'll do wait. We'll, we're more likely to do an audit on someone's whole system if they're using mini me token contract mm -hmm. than or liquid pledging or something like that. than if they're just like, 
doing some stupid, you know, normal ICO or something. We say no to audits like every day. So like, you know, uh, we're more interested in the cool projects that are trying to make, you know, he did Raiden and uh, we're, we're, I don't even know, if, I can't, I don't know if some of the audits that we're doing are public or not. So yeah, don't, don't, don't disclose things you shouldn't disclose. <laughs> but, you know, Aragon, District OX, uh, Status.am, uh, we work with all these, all the cool projects in Swarm City. We try to work with all the cool, all of my favorite projects in the space that I think are trying to make, you know, major advances, not just trying to make some money. Very cool, very cool. Well, Griff, if you've uh, if you've listened to the show before, then I think you're going to be familiar with the uh, the ten questions or less. I'm about to hit you with it. Uh, in, ten words in, or less. That's right, ten words or less. Um, you know, we usually uh, jump between blockchain and Bitcoin, but I think I'm going to give you the Bitcoin one since that oh. seems to be a hot topic nowadays. So, in uh, ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Describe Bitcoin. Ah, oh, man, I was so ready for the blockchain one. Yeah, we gotta okay. gotta change it up. <laughs> yeah, describe Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a, a safe, stable, decentralized store of value. Sorry, not stable, but like you know, secure. It's stable in the, <laughs> in the sense word. that it yeah. doesn't change very much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fact, Price. Uh, we'll go. We'll go yeah. a little. Yeah. All right, man. That's seven words. Awesome to have you on. I'm glad we finally got Wait, you. Can I, can I say my blockchain one? I had. I was so excited. All right, all right, all right. All right. In, in ten words okay. or less, describe blockchain. Uh, the future of money, digital assets, governance, identity, and trust mitigation. <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting yeah, for it. Uh, we yeah. we okay. have to let the guys that prepare for the ten words get to say <laughs> their ten words. That's that's should be a rule. Uh, yeah, man. Happy to have hey, before, you on. Go ahead, Joe. Before he gets out of here, though, do, do you want to uh, talk about um, or plug? Uh, I, I know you had a mentorship kind of going on. I didn't know where you were with that. If you wanted to tell people about that, or if you if uh, Giveth was looking for people who have solidity knowledge or just want to be a part of it, where they can go to find more about the project and connect with you. Mentorship is a funny way of saying it. Uh, I would just say that you know, like I said, that we have this block reward. So uh, if people want to come be a part of the Giveth community and get paid to learn about Solidity and all these cool things uh, uh, from the best Solidity developers in the world, in my opinion, you know, Jordi Galina and and the White Hat Group, uh, come to our. Well, right now we're still on Slack. We're about to migrate to Riot, but uh, we're on Slack, and it's uh, go to slack.giveth.io. And you'll get an invite to our Slack and just send me a message or anyone a message and we'll get you hooked up with something you can help with. And yeah. Boom. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for the plug. Always happy to have you on. Happy to see Giveth really make good strides in the space. And I hope that, uh, they'll continue to be like a real, like pillar in this community for, for making people help, help build things and also like helping the world do things better. So, I think so. I, I I think that we've really started to grow as a community, man. And, you know, it's way bigger than me. That's for sure. There's so many people that are pushing this forward. I barely have to do anything anymore. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just sit in hot tubs and take interviews. Exactly. <laughs> I got the light, man. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk oh, to you soon. We'll see you guys. And that was the interview with Griff Green from Giveth. Or you can call him Griffith Green. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be upset. He's a very happy person. 
and he hugs you. I would hate to see him angry, though. I would hate to see him angry. Yeah, me too. He's a very large man. Yeah, he's pretty big. He said the F word, and I was even like, whoa, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be, like, super wholesome all the time. No. Nobody should be wholesome all the time. (laughs) Anybody who's wholesome all the time is weird. Um, so we want to talk about some stuff, right? Yeah. Corey, Corey, uh, you dropped an article on us, uh, midweek, not midweek earlier in this week, you dropped an article on us and you were like, um, what did you say? What did you drop the article on us? Oh, I was talking. So the, the name of the article is from CoinDesk is a uh, bank of America wins patent for a crypto exchange system. Um, I think this was also dropped in our general chat at some point. Because I remember Cynthia Gates talking about it a bit or like referring to it about what a patent may mean or what it doesn't mean. But I wasn't too terribly – I didn't really care about the patent personally. It's more along what – I, what I thought was interesting about the article is now you're starting to see more than more than in the past – a lot of the stealth projects that these big enterprises have been working on. And like previously, I think, or even today, a lot of people think that these large companies, these large enterprises haven't been paying attention to the crypto space. And if like, if that's what you thought, you're terribly, terribly wrong. They've been paying attention for a long time. They're just not ones that need to go out and market what they're doing. In fact, they shouldn't market what they're doing because more often than not, they have heavy competition and they need to protect their IP, so they just keep it stealth until it's basically too late to compete. Um, and we're seeing a lot of these stealth projects start to come out to play, and, and like what decisions they're making, and where they think this technology is going to go. Now, I'm not saying they're going to take over the market, but it's going to start at least having an influence, in my opinion, on um, the development of a lot of these things, especially if we have patent trolls and so on and so forth, which make... Um, which could make the development in an open scenario slower than what it needs to be. Well, patents well, are bad. You keep saying patents stealth project. Well, so why would a company want to suppress public opinion while secretly investing and developing internally? What? What? Why do people do that? It seems dishonest. Throw, th- uh, that could be the, like, throw shade. I don't know. It's a. Uh, I I can't speak to people who pretend like something sucks while they're all while they're also working on it. Shout out to JP Morgan and Chase. Yeah, shout out to Jamie Dimon. <laughs> what look, man, I'm tired of being Negro Domus and getting I told I said this literally when he shat on Bitcoin earlier in the year. I said, see, a person of a company like that is gonna tell people to go right when he's been going left for a really long time. But ben, and then by the time every, not everybody does that. Not all not all enterprises do that. But I'm just saying that. In this case, that dude, I could see straight through that guy. I was like, oh, you're telling everybody Bitcoin's a fraud because you're buying that shit in massive, massive clumps. Now, you're telling everybody Ethereum sucks because so, you're building on it at a breakneck pace. So you're telling everyone to go right while you've been going left for a long time. By the time they figure out, oh, they should have went left, you've already paved the streets that they've got to use. Now, I have to say, I, work, like, I personally work for one of the largest enterprises in the country. And, and I'm a blockchain person at this company. And based on 
what I've witnessed as I've met more and more people, the company is so large that it's impossible to know what everyone else is doing. Even when you're at the top, even if you're at the CEO, you have no idea about a good portion of what your company's doing. And I believe that. it's very true. And so people can have an opinion, like say Jamie Dimon can have an opinion on, on, on one something while his company, a company that he's in charge of is doing something that's completely the opposite because the company <laughs> is so large that you, you it's so hard to understand what's all currently happening in terms of like research and development, current current initiatives, things like that. And, and especially with our company, it's very much the same. Like I know people that have sold products or talk to talk to clients saying we can do something when we don't have the capability to do it or saying we don't have something when we perf- have, we perfectly have the capability of doing it. Mm. And so there's a disconnect between communications and large enterprises that may lead to articles that come out that don't actually reflect what the company's doing. So you can't say that it's 100% mischievous. It's just a matter of they may not not they may not know, which isn't doesn't mean they're a bad CEO or don't understand their company. It's just these things are so ridiculously huge. Does it that though? I don't know. Management is a very difficult thing to do. Like you try managing thirty thousand people. Yeah, you're not uh, wrong there, Corey. You're very right there. Well, I don't know. Like, look, the first mainstream bank that will offer this service is going to profit greatly. But if I'm a CEO and I'm philosophically opposed to crypto, I'm not going to get up in the morning and work with a team that is going against what I think should happen and make a successful company. I'll give you a scenario. You know? I'll give you a scenario, but that's the case. Is that I would imagine Jamie Dimon doesn't believe in Bitcoin, but believes in blockchain because that's the way it's been sold to him. Right. Mm. Right. Like they, he may not, he thinks that like Bitcoin itself may not be a good thing, but blockchain is the future. And that's what Quorum is supposed to be. Right. It's supposed to help them do backend processing and things like that, but not be necessarily currencies. He thinks the currency aspect of this technology isn't where the future is. That's a, that's, that's a scenario that I could see likely. You're saying he's just preaching what he's been told in a meeting that his second in command set up. And I will tell you this much. I don't I can't think of anybody in the high, high, high ups of enterprise companies that really, truly, truly, truly understands the space. I know that my like my direct boss, which is quite high up in the chain, has a very impressive understanding of this technology. But he's been trying to convince everyone around him about it and they're really reluctant to believe them until basically we've shown that we can do what he says we can do. And so there's a there's a really large disconnect in the in the management aspect of these places of these places that simply don't understand the technology and what it's capable of. And so if those people are reporting to CEOs and others, then the people that end up in the media, which ends up being these people because they're the higher ups in the company, give tend to give misinformed ideas about what the technology actually is and what the company is actually doing. I see. Yeah, I see that. That's, that's, that's a good reality. But like you, like, um, like you said, now all these projects are coming out of stealth and it looks like they're getting the, the, uh, the blessing from the executives now. So, yeah, well, they're, they're, I think it's a matter of people 
learning more and the and being less ignorant. Like over time, time over time, people learn more and more and more about this stuff and what it can do because that's just the natural way this stuff works. People do pilots and projects and people ask questions and you go through briefings and so and so like so over time these management people or the people who are higher up who are in charge of things get a better idea and understanding of what's going on so they can speak more naturally to it which means that they get kind of they're willing to take you know media articles about it or they try to push it because they start to realize of like holy shit this stuff is awesome once they then start to mm-hmm. really realize what it is and i think that's more yeah. along the lines of what's happening is that enterprises are just like the higher ups are getting better at understanding what's going on mm-hmm. and then putting more money into it, especially when the price rises so goddamn much. Do you think that, uh, do you think that the guy who works for Amazon that let it leak that they bought all those domain names got fired? I think um, that does, I don't know. That was, that was super funny because I was just looking and it was like, Amazon's buying up all these Ethereum domain names. It's like, Oh, I wonder what the fuck they're about to start doing. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> That's the whole reason that Bitcoin was to take banks out of the picture, though. It's um, an alternative. That's how it started. But it's trivial for these banking conglomerates to try and have their own exchange and crush Coinbase out of like relevancy by offering a competitive service that runs better. It? It's, I think that Bitcoin gives them a new playground. I think it does, too. But, and, I think, and I think they're figuring that out now. It's like... Oh wow! This is actually, this is actually pretty, uh, pretty advantageous if we just kind of learn it and do it. And they're just playing a game. They're just playing a new game now. They have they have new new a new game they can play. Yeah, but the, but here's the thing: is like more people are going to be on ramped by Chase and Bank of America's exchanges than Coinbase, and then. In- no, they're not. It's going to stunt innovation. Sure, they will. No, because no, when people go to the banks, they're going to get a pamphlet about, hey, you can get in Bitcoin now and blah, blah, okay. blah. What you just said is fundamentally flawed because it started with when people go to banks. The the people that are still going to banks and all that, they outrank people that are on the cutting edge and futurists. The la- there's sure? more laggards yes. than our early majority. Well, uh, because I know Coinbase has more users than Charles Schwab that. Charles Schwab does, right? And that the article said? We're talking about day-to-day usage, right? Who's who's who, When you take your card out to buy something, if you think about the vast majority of okay. people, are they pulling out their Bank of America or Chase card? Or are they pulling out their, their Coinbase card, which doesn't exist? All right. Let's give it another year when people start figuring out they have a shift card. Okay, sure. But I, and it's, it's still like because you're not incentivized to spend your Bitcoin on a day-to-day basis, people aren't going to do that. I have to make a decision every time I want to spend I just, my Bitcoin. I feel like I feel like that could be prophetic, Corey, but I also thought the same thing until I had enough purchasing power to where I don't feel anything about swiping my shift card somewhere. So yeah. somebody puts in a hundred dollars and it goes up to two thousand, you don't think they're gonna swipe their shift card to get a dollar bag of chips? Once again, you are not representative of the average person. By Thank whatsoever. You, I appreciate that. Like by any means necessary, you are, you run a cryptocurrency podcast. Average person is going to still maintain relationships with their banks because that's what they're used to for a long time. The thing is, is that who cares? It's if, if we now have options, if they tap into the Bitcoin system, if people own Bitcoin, Bitcoin isn't owned by anybody. 
it allows the users of the banks to have more and more options and have better ways of handling their money if they so choose to. It's just, it may not be as efficient if they go through their bank because their bank's probably going to take a slight cut unless they go to somebody else. But it's, it's, a, it's a trade-off of convenience. They still have the option to go somewhere else, whereas beforehand they didn't. And this, and because there are better options, it forces people to then be competitive and offer things at a more competitive rate than they would otherwise. It's, it's, all, it's all good to me. Cool. Make yeah. Chase Coin. It's gonna have an it's gonna have a value on the open market that people can use relative to the, these open systems like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin and Dogecoin and all that other stuff. Because there has to be, because no one owns those things and they have to be competitive. Now they're not just competitive with other enterprises, they're competitive with the op- like the open internet in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. And the Bitcoin are doing it from their own free will. But the reason why these banks exist not only to have checking and savings accounts, but I think they represent the will of the people to provide guidance and service. And a lot of people are just going to do whatever they tell them to do. If I ran a bank, I do everything in my power to mitigate crypto, be it resistance or adoption. It's exciting times. This is going to be exciting times. I think 2018 is going to get crazy bananas. I think it's going to be the best year for us yet. Me too. Me too. It's looking up. It's looking up. Well, we need to wrap this up, right? Yeah. So um, if you're listening and you like the conversation, you want to join the conversation, join us on our Slack. Go to thebitcoinpodcast.com. There's a Slack tab. If you click that, you get into our Slack. It's really that easy. If you can't get there after following those directions, you don't deserve to be there. I'm sorry. Um, You just can't make the cut. Uh, on Twitter, uh, at the BTC Podcast, Cello runs the Twitter. He'll tweet to you if you tweet him back. Um, uh, hey, Cameron Winklevi, Winklevoss, if you're listening to this, can you please stop liking our tweets and come on our show when we ask you to come on our show? And just That's really weird. It's weird that you just like the tweet <laughs> and then don't come on our show when we ask you in front of everyone. I bet it's, it's a bot. Just, it's so strange. I bet it's a bot. Um, it's got to be a bot. It's got to be. Anyways, um, what else do we do? Spotify, bruh. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're on Spotify now. Hell yeah. So if you guys, uh, I know you listen to Spotify and you're like, you know what? I really like to listen to the Bitcoin podcast, but I don't want to go to the website or open up my other app. Uh, I just want to slide right into some Bitcoin podcast right after I wake up in the morning and listen to some future well, you can now. Hit the search button and search the Bitcoin podcast. And guess what, motherfuckers? It's up. <laughs> so um, we were really excited about that. We've been trying that for like 14 months. We put it on our vision board. Yes, we have a vision board. I know and we do. I know you do. I have a vision board. <laughs> I have a vision board for this network, okay? And that was one of the things that we just we got to, we get to take off or put a pin in. So... Um, the next time we have some big news, I have something else on our vision board too, and then I'm not going to say until we are able to pin that or take it off. Um, but yeah, Spotify. What else do we do, Corey? Do you, Corey, are you writing? How many uh, half-written ideas do you have that you need to? Uh, do the currently, other I think I have six in my drafts. <laughs> six half-written ideas. I have six half-written ideas in my draft right now. Some of them have gone <laughs> through some editing. Some of them have not. 
If we put those together, Corey has three solid ideas. If I look at <laughs> if I look at my like my idea no yeah. notebook that I have, there's about fifteen <laughs> journal <laughs> blog ideas. Uh, also, have- we we get on the Twitter. If you didn't say Twitter. I did say, I think I said Twitter. Um, yeah. Shout out to Zoe Saldana. It's been a while. Um, quite frankly, uh, I've just been forgetting about you, and that's my fault. I'm really negligent. Sorry, Zoe. Um, I hope you're well. Um, big shout out. Um, and shout out to the mixed race girl in the new G Easy video, The Plan. I don't know who you are, but I'll find out what your name is. That's very creepy. No, no, no. It's not that creepy, actually. Um, that's very creepy. How is it creepy? Explain to my explain me how you think that that's creepy. I don't know who you are, but I'll find out what your name is. <laughs> well, when you say it like that, it sounds creepy as hell. I'm just I repeated was, exactly what you just said with the intonation the you had. <laughs> it's all about the tone, my friend. I said, I said, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to figure out what your name is. That's not so what you just cool said. Use the better tone. I think you were rubbing your belly button when you said it too, which doesn't. I help. was not rubbing my belly button when I said it, but I should have been. <laughs> uh, she's a pretty lady. And How sad is Hoodie Allen nowadays, though? Hoodie Allen? Oh yeah, my god, he's, he's got to be nowadays. so upset. He was like, "Damn it, Easy used to open for me, and now he's doing concerts <laughs> with Britney Spears." Damn it. Anyways, um, yeah, shout out to mixed race girls. Uh, is that all we have? Yeah. Shout out to me. Shout out to Cello and Cello's Cello's daughters who finally leave us alone. We record now and Sheena who's always watching them. Hold up, I got Shout something. Shout out to What's up? This may be a little late. Um Colin who's in our Slack all the time. I talk to him quite a bit. Um did some uh classes. Trying to find him. Wanted us to talk about them. They're doing quite a few Wait. classes. He works for Animal Ventures. And he did a few classes on um, Ethereum stuff. I wanted me to mention them. Can't find them. We'll just okay. tweet about it. We'll tweet about what it. Check out the tweet. Join the Slack and uh, find Colin and uh, ask him about it. Yeah, just join, join, join the Slack. Talk to me. Talk to him. We'll tweet about it when I find it. Yeah. We should promote people joining the Slack. Like, we don't. Uh... I think oh, so. One of the things we may be doing is actually we talked about this. It's just bringing a random Slack member on the roundtable occasionally, and just to just to like highlight guests we have. Yep, and I loved Porsche's idea where we could have a segment called "Finish the Convo" or "Hash It Out," where if a conversation starts in the Slack, we can actually finish it on the show. I think that's an amazing idea, Porsche, and thank you for that. Um, I will definitely, I've definitely taken note of it and i love it and it was an intense discussion in the slack the other day yeah Yeah. and then we get into these intense discussions and everybody just kind of goes about their their life but i think it would be really unique if we started to hash those conversations out between the three of us on the show so thank you for that idea portia and uh i hope you're listening so all right um is that it yeah you know what i'm excited about I'm finally going to get to play that Marvel vs. Capcom game that I bought, like, in March. It's been in Iowa, just sitting there, and my family's coming together, and my brother's bringing it down for Christmas, and I'm finally going to get to play Marvel vs. Capcom. I'm really excited about that. Anyways, play... Oh, hey, I found it. It's on Udemy. 
Udemy. Oh shit, Call makes classes on Udemy? Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Well, Animal Ventures does. Play the outro.